Wall Street is full of corruption and it is baked in to every aspect of our society. MMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding at the macro level. In the 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This was written over a hundred years ago. This is The Rogue Scholar with Steve Grumbine. All right, everybody. Today's show is on idols, idolatry, etc., and ultimately going with that whole concept of echo chambers. You know, when you're following the herd and you don't really have any kind of basis for your beliefs, you don't really understand what's going on, but you can find it within you, deep within you, to be highly passionate without having a clue what the fuck you're talking about, right? You can have your desire to be part of the gang and you go out there and you search for somebody, anybody to affirm what you're saying, to affirm what you're saying. And it doesn't matter anything because you are going to appeal to authority. And if that person speaks to you by leaving a sandal behind when they're running the fuck away from you. Well, then you too can come up with a way of turning that into the new symbol, the new idol to worship. And one of the problems that we have right now in this country and around the world, but in this country in particular, is this perpetual appeal to authority, this perpetual creation of new idols, creation of people to worship, people that you don't even know what the hell they're saying but you're certain that it's worth retweeting. You're certain that it's worth ending friendships over. You're certain that there's nothing more to be said other than what they said. And I wanna start with this concept across the United States. Years and years ago, I was talking about what are some of the programs we'd like to focus on at Real Progressives and Real Progress in Action. What do we think our sweet spot would be as a combination of both activists and educators, at least in terms of bringing education to you, whether it be through bringing experts onto our program or whether it was doing the learning ourselves and the presenting what we learned from those people. And that's typically the kind of happy divide that we come up with here is analysis that we take from learning from the other people or bringing the experts directly in. But one of the areas that we were totally focused on, zero beeline, right on focus, was the concept of race to the bottom. And race to the bottom has nothing to do with Medicare for all, has nothing to do with Green New Deal, has nothing to do with really anything. It's got to do with a business model that the United States has embraced. And this is where you've got the currency issuer being the federal government, pitting the states against one another through austerity measures, through um, unfunded mandates passed on from the federal government to the states, to the municipalities, placing the responsibility on the states uh, to do things that they were not equipped to do as currency users, okay? Now, when you think about what you and I would do when an undue burden is placed on us, when you and I are suddenly strapped with a huge ticket for something on the road, some road, uh, some road mishap, some uh, ticket that we got for breaking some rule. Maybe we ran a red light and the light wasn't even working and we didn't know we ran it. And all of a sudden you've got this $300 fine or uh, maybe they take your license away, whatever. The bottom line is, is there's some sort of an obligation that you didn't expect to have. A lot of people are going to do different things when that happens. Some people will try to fight it in court. Some people will pay it. And other people might have to steal to be able to take care of that bill that they didn't expect to happen. When these unexpected things happen in our lives, we have no real way of addressing them. We're stuck. We're at the bottom of the totem pole. The shit rose downhill and we're at the bottom. We just catch it, right? That's how it works. It's not too much different with the states and municipalities. 
And so we decided that we wanted to look at all 50 states and start looking at what we call the comprehensive annual financial report. And we wanted to paint a map of what the U.S. looked like, why certain area was really super awesome, like back in the 70s or 60s, even when the steel mills were firing on all cylinders in Pittsburgh. And then suddenly during the deer hunter uh, filming era during Vietnam, et cetera, you see the people walking down the street and very, very moribund and dirty and very, very blue collar. And the mills are closing down and you see it in the movie Slapshot. These are all kind of uh, talking points about the economics of these blue collar areas and the fact that they depended on these mills to keep running. Well, what happens is, is that these mills or these other uh, car manufacturing plants or, you know, air conditioning plants like Carrier and stuff like that, they take their business and they move it where the best tax uh, scenario is for them, where the best resources are, where the most sweetheart deal is. You can see this with professional football teams right now. Uh, Daniel Snyder, uh, asshole extraordinaire of the Washington Commanders, um, is now playing games with Virginia, Northern Virginia, Washington, D.C., and Maryland, trying to gin up support for funding a billion-dollar uh, stadium for a team that hasn't won a Super Bowl in 30 years and can't get their act right and can't treat women right, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But there they are bidding it up. And how is that? Why is that? Okay. It's because the fact is that the states think that if they can lure business there, that it will trickle down to everyone and everyone will be okay. And there's a part of that that's true at the state level because the federal government is not directly subsidizing the states with block grants. It's got some very nuanced things like Act 89 and stuff like that, where the uh, transportation is funded with federal dollars at some level to fix roads and highways and things like that. Very specific targeted spending. Um, but the days of revenue sharing are over. The days of the states being able to survive uh, the ebbs and flows of the business cycle are largely over. There's nothing there to stop a state from really, really going in a very negative direction. Almost every state in the country has a balanced budget amendment. And with that, that means that they can't do a whole lot unless they have tax receipts or they have bonds and things like that. And as I've said many, many times, the pensions, the state pensions for each of these uh, states is in dire jeopardy. And many of them, they're very, very in jeopardy of not having pensions at all. In fact, you can see how pensioners have been screwed repeatedly uh, by crashes in the market and things like that, because what do these pensions do? Instead of being directly funded by the federal government, they're reliant on the market to fund them, relying on bonds and relying on tax revenues. Okay. And if those tax revenues dry up, then the states don't have the ability to offset that with new spending from their printing press, right? They can't do it because they're not currency issuers. So you end up in these really, really bad austerity moments. These things that we talk about with Greece, these things we talk about with a number of places where they literally tell them, you must eliminate your public space. You must eliminate public services. You must eliminate all the infrastructure that takes care of the people. Okay. And so the more you understand about this and the more you understand this race to the bottom is real. And you watch places, as I've stated repeatedly, like Texas, which is a prime mover and shaker in this space. Texas, Rick Perry used to always put the sign up, we're ready for business. They'd suck them down there with these sweetheart deals. Okay. This dynamic is not talked about by anyone, folks. Anyone. They're all just ah, blah, 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 blah. It's like the shoe. The Hey, he's left us a sign, a shoe, right? But the truth is, is that states, each state is a little teeny country in and of itself that has no monetary sovereignty. It either has loans and private debt fueling its economy. It's got business coming in from out of state fueling its economy or it's got tax revenues and the federal government when it spends here and there. But it in and of itself has no ability to respond. Most states don't have a real rainy day fund. Most of them have a couple weeks, maybe a couple months at best. 
but most of them are really in very bad shape. There's a few of them that are flush with cash. And if you ever feel like going out and looking it up, go out on the web sometime, look up CAFR and whatever year you want to look. Every state has to present a comprehensive annual financial report to Congress. And those CAFR reports go up on the uh, website. You can take a look at each one of them and you can look at how far in advance they have the funds internally to survive uh, you know, for their pensions. I keep focusing on pensions because you and I, if we have a pension plan, we expect when we get to a certain age that we're going to be able to cash in on that. But that may not be the case. Okay, that may not be the case. You and I, well, I'm 53 years old, soon to be 53. And when I was a child, I could go to gym class every day of the week. When I was in high school or, excuse me, elementary school, actually elementary school, middle school, and high school, I could go to chorus or whatever every day of the week. The chorus class was fifth period or, you know, band practice was seventh period or you know, whatever. It wasn't like you had to pick. Now schools are different. Now you get like one day every fifth Wednesday to have gym class or one day every third uh, Thursday for music class or whatever. They don't do it the way they used to do it anymore. And my God, if you ever try to manage one of those calendars, you're really screwed, man. You better send your kid with the right shoes on the right day or they're going to be getting in trouble for not having shoes. So the states cut money, cut spending, I should say, in ways that neither, uh, none of us really want the states to cut spending. Okay, this is, you drive down the road, there's potholes everywhere. Uh, you see a road that's caving in. Instead of them fixing it, you see some truck riding down the road to spray paint the road to paint it black just to sort of give it a quick once over because they don't have the funds to invest in fixing the roads, fixing the bridges, okay? So states have to make a lot of horse trading, a lot of deals with the devil, a lot of cuts that the federal government never has to do ever. And I've stated this before many times, but I'll state it again. Places like the state of Pennsylvania, heavily involved in the fracking business to fund public services because they don't have the political will to raise taxes on people. And when they do raise taxes on people, what happens? They literally sell their homes and move to somewhere else. Okay. It's called flight. And when the tax base leaves the area, it leaves the poor behind because the poor can't just pick up and say, well, you know, I'm going to go up here to this other area. No. And then the gentrification process begins. Okay. So all this stuff is going on in the background of states because they don't have the ability to offset it in the right way, which would be to publicly infuse money into the economy to pay for their public purpose spending. Okay. Now, if you don't know that, if you haven't got a foundation of understanding the currency issuer and currency user dynamic, you're likely to make a lot of really stupid ideas. You're going to come up with a lot of really dumb ideas, ideas that have no basis in fact, or ideas that are literally lethal to progress. Okay. That's number one. Number two, without having some sort of a real analysis of understanding how the system works, when you try to build foundational programs, it's like, you know, the three little pigs, the first house was built out of straw. The next one was built out of wood. The next one was built out of brick and damn it, they couldn't blow it down, right? But when you build a house on sand, when you build a house of cards based on programs that weren't, you were building the, you were worried about the drapes on the windows before you worried about how to pour your foundation. You understand what I'm saying? When you go that route, when you don't handle first things first, you end up with sketch plans, plans that fall apart, plans that are no good, plans that don't meet the proper need that was being requested. This is super fucking important, right? I wouldn't you think this is really fucking important? So when you think about this, instead of the federal government bailing out Flint, Michigan, because I saw somebody talking about the Flint water crisis, Instead of the federal government bailing Flint out, fixing those pipes, retrofitting every clay and wood pipe throughout the system, getting rid of that shitty water, and just taking care of the infrastructure straight up, they instead left it to the state to figure out. Well, you could see Detroit went bankrupt, 
and was in receivership and they brought the vulture capitals in and they started selling off the precious history of detroit to the highest bidder relics and things of historical value to that community no longer there now in some private person's ownership you look at puerto rico when the big huge hurricanes came through and tore up the land we could have gone down there instantly with federal dollars and rebuilt that just like this but it didn't happen now you could say that the reason and this would be true you could say that the reason is that the federal government is captured and is not going to serve the needs of the people it's going to serve the needs of capital and capital wants us in a state of precarity so that it can dictate the terms it's kind of like the imf does to smaller states where they go in and they say we'll help you but when we help you you've got to free up markets and you got to eliminate spending and implement austerity so that we can come in and provide those services to you at a cost so that we can extract from your community that's what happens right do we haven't even started talking about programs yet we haven't even started looking at what we need to survive we haven't even begun prioritizing things i'm just telling you how the system works at the base level that's all i'm talking about is the base level but when you hero worship when you choose leaders and you fall on the sword and you just look at them and say, yes, what, oh my God, they said what I wanted to hear. They're my hero. You motherfucker, I don't like you because you said no to my fatted calf program. My golden calf you said no to. And so you're the bad guy. But this person, how did you say you're gonna, I, I, I got my expert. My expert said my ideas right, right there, right there. That expert said what I wanted to hear. To do Queen's Reich. It's a sign of a loser. The lady will black. Whatever, right? It's the sign of a loser. Right? When you do that, when you go that route, you have built your house on sand. You've built a house of cards. You have no idea what's happening. You're just falling into idolatry. And sometimes idols will fail us because they're human. Sometimes idols will say something that's expedient for political reasons that is not foundationally sound. Sometimes our heroes will drop the ball because they have a different motive in mind. And sometimes outright, we just misunderstand what they're saying. And we, just like in the video I started with, oh, it's the shoe, he means to take off one of our shoes and we run around with one shoe. Oh no, it's the gourd. We go with the gourd, the gourd. It's the principle of the gourd. Let's go with the gourd. But if you understand the way the system works, you don't need a hero. You can be your own hero. Because once you understand and can evaluate systems, systems thinking, not idolatry, you can begin to assess any system. You can begin to understand the inputs, outputs, tools, and techniques, and not just have a veneer level understanding of what's happening around you and then shout at the devil every time someone says you're wrong. Believe me, there are people that know I'm 100% correct and they talk to me offline and out of love for them, I will just simply say thank you so much for not gaslighting me because I know I'm right. And thank God the people that I care about know I'm right too. Okay? Thank God they know I'm right. Because I wake up every morning as an activist, not to mislead you, why the fuck would I get on camera just to say a bunch of poppycock? I get on camera because I got something to say. I've done my homework. I do podcasts with experts, why? Not because I just have nothing better to do. I'm like, trust that, man, I've got, millions of things to do in my life that have nothing to do with real progressives nothing to do with real progress in action nothing to do with macro and cheese and certainly nothing to deal with with the idolatry that is prevalent on twitter these days and behind the scenes where little groups come up with affinities where they come up with houses of cards that allow them expediency while building on sand okay the foundation is an analysis it's an analysis, it's an understanding 
when you understand how to code logic as a developer and you begin understanding how do i make this code efficient how do i build the proper objects and do the proper function calls from my service bus to pull the right messages up into the system my program is only five steps but it's calling drastic massive amounts down in the deep underbelly of the system But when you don't understand the service bus and you don't understand the function calls and you don't understand the flows, you're able to get, oh, who, how dare you? You don't even know what you're saying, how dare me too. But damn it, you know I'm wrong because idolatry, the team of the shoe. Oh my God, hold on. He left his slipper. He left his slipper. It's a sign. It's a sign from the Lord. The sign from the Lord, we should all go with one slipper. The man with the slipper, it's a sign. You get it? You get what I'm saying for real? I mean, seriously, I, I, you know, if you think I'm your enemy because I know what I'm talking about and I'm telling you this stuff, not because I gain anything, because I assure you, I lose more than I win by telling you the truth because there's little dipshits running around sniping at me like they know something, but they don't. And it's infuriating. Okay. It's infuriating. Not because I don't like them, but because for fuck's sake, what do you think I'm saying this for? What do you, wait, who's paying me, you dumb fuck? All I got is truth on my side. I wake up in the morning, go to sleep at night, and that's the only reason I do this. It's it. That's it. That's it. But if you think that you're so cool, so savvy, because you just have a team that you want to root for, a team, team root, I'm, I'm for team root, I'm Groot. Well, we ain't talking about the same thing. Why are we even interacting? You know, if you're not going to really talk about what's going on, why if you just oh yeah well women's suffrage came about this way this guy's a clown that's the kind of level of crap that many of these troll cephases pull out of their ass troll cephas troll it's the idolatry it's the golden calf oh I mean, can you imagine somebody having the sack that doesn't understand the stuff, but the sack to bring suffrage in when suffrage has nothing to do with a funding mechanism? Or even marijuana legalization, which has nothing to do with a funding mechanism? You imagine the sack you'd have to have. I mean, that'd be like, you know, the, all the uh, Zelensky memes out there about see these two circles? That's Zelensky's nuts from God. Okay. All those folks that are putting that kind of crap out there, you'd have to have nuts that big to not have a clue, but be piping off. Nobody gains anything from the charade here, folks, if you don't dig in and learn parroting what some hero told you no matter how good or bad or indifferent it is you personally have a responsibility to yourself to be useful and learn the analysis and you'll find sometimes your heroes aren't saying it the way you would say it or aren't seeing it the way you would see it and sometimes they may have a different goal or objective than you and it's okay to disagree but what's not okay to disagree, what's not okay to do is when somebody in good faith takes and does research, when somebody sits there and lays the blueprint down and explains why their objections are there, but some loser throws out women's suffrage as an example to smack down your very principled conversation about funding mechanisms. When some loser does that, you're not even having a conversation about apples and oranges. You're like talking about, you know, hey, I've got a, uh, what, what was that Vince Vaughn line? You know, I've got a, a, a cheetah, you've got a cobra or whatever from, uh, uh, you know, couples retreat. You know, bottom line is, is that when you're not really dealing in the underlying understanding of how the system works, you can't assess the Ukraine situation 
You can't assess what's going on when a, when a state starts losing jobs and it starts going into a rust belt scenario. You can't really understand what's happening and you can't come up with a creative solution for how to fix it. You can't do any of these things because you've relied on hero worship rather than doing the research, rather than learning. And if anybody ever says something that is ignorant, and I see a bunch of ignorance in this comment thread, I'm not gonna give the person air, I'm not gonna give them oxygen. But if you understand the basis for how currency is spent in the United States, how it gets into the economy, if you understand sectoral balances, stock flow consistent modeling, if you understand that one person's income is another person's you know, spending and vice versa, someone's spending is another person's income. It's like a dual entry accounting. If you don't understand that and you don't understand, well, where'd the dollar come from first? Take for example, public banks. Public banks still have to get their currency from the federal government. They don't have the ability to just randomly create money. Banks create loans, banks create deposits. Loans create deposits. But when the federal government spends, it spends new net financial assets into the economy. But if you didn't know that, but you had things to say, The right answer would be, hey, you know what? I, I, I don't understand that. Can you explain that to me? Not a bunch of clown pictures, emojis, or a thing, mocking someone that's taken the time to do the fucking homework. You understand what I'm saying? This is the problem with he, you know, the idolatry. I don't know what I'm saying, but here, let me make a meme. Let me make a meme that's supposed to be the shutdown argument for hundreds of hours of someone's life that they've spent researching and doing the work on the economics front. But let me go ahead and make a single meme based on a single statement. And then preen about like a chicken in the coop, boop, 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 boop. Like you've done something, Duncan. I'm Duncan, I'm Duncan on me. Here's the meme, I'm Duncan, Duncan. It's embarrassing, and it makes you not want to talk to the people anymore. Why would you want to talk to somebody who's not having a good faith conversation? Why would you want to have a conversation with somebody who just comes in there and st instead of talking to you says, oh, they're not in solidarity. You know, they, all these like distracted emotional outbursts that you expect from a child. If you want to have a grown-up conversation, start with explaining anything you're trying to do, how do we mitigate the race to the bottom that I started talking about in this discussion today? How do I deal with the race to the bottom? Forget anything else. If you can't answer that, we're stuck at zero. If you wanna come up with something that mocks me, I will flat out ignore your ass, or better yet, I'll block you. Because you don't have a right to waste my time with emotional bullshit. You don't have that right. I just block you. It's not because I don't wanna have a debate. I'll have a debate with someone that's actually debating me, that's actually having a conversation with me. But I give you the Heisman if you're gonna sit there and try and give me some emotional blackmail. If you're gonna do a idolatry or a, a, a golden calf kind of thing, I'm gonna block you. I don't have any interest in that. Who would? Why would anyone pay you any mind if that's the way you would go about? If you consider that a good faith discussion, why would someone talk to you? Why? Why would you allow someone to do that? I'm not going to, and that's the deal. You have to build on a solid foundation because a Green New Deal, let's look at a Green New Deal. A Green New Deal is going to displace many, many workers. A Green New Deal is going to displace a huge amount of workers. So what does a Green New Deal 
have to have as part of its foundation. A Green New Deal must have, one, a just transition for those workers being displaced. And it also must have a job guarantee to facilitate the transition. And if you have a just transition and you have a job guarantee, now all of a sudden you're away from the system. What must you also have? You must have health care, which is where Medicare for all would come in. So how is a state going to fund a Green New Deal, a job guarantee, a just transition, and Medicare for all? Not Medicare for some, Medicare for all. How is it going to do that? It's got to be through the federal level because we don't have the luxury of ignoring climate change while you finger fuck the state. We just don't have that ability. We've got to build the layer cake. That layer cake is, ex it's, it's an existential crisis, not an ideological one. This is a do not pass go, do not collect 200. Your kids are inheriting an earth that won't be uh, hospitable to life if you don't take care of this. So Medicare for all is but one part of that. Now, we already saw how poorly our healthcare system handled the pandemic. Hypothetically speaking, what if a pandemic hit and states were trying to figure out how to support these things. See, when you do it at the federal level, let me explain this to you. This is a really big deal. We have no idea how many people are going to be sick at any given time. Yeah, there's statistics, so forth. But we have no idea how many people are sick that aren't actually getting care right now. We might have some idea, but we don't know. So you'll never really know what the outlay is, the financial outlay for care is any given month or week or day. But if you had a situation where you had a pandemic or you had some sort of a biohazard or a bio leak or something that happened, some algae bloom, something else that came through and created a situation, the federal government's spending would be kind of ebbing and flowing according to the needs of the health, ebbing and flowing. There will be a consistent need for general practitioners. There'll be consistent need for primary care, things like that, if we even keep that model. But what about the specialists and all the other aspects of this that come and go depending upon things, other than just you have a mole on the back of your head that you need to get frozen off, or you need to get some lab work? What if everybody needs to get lab work? Now what? Do you have the real resources in place? And how did you go about commissioning them? And do you have the power to negotiate with a multinational conglomerate that has massive capital power that only the federal government could actually negotiate with in good faith and keep in line, to have the power to control that beast? Think about what I'm saying. So you must consider all these factors. But when you're fatted calf, golden calf economics, you don't have to do that. You just get angry and start saying people don't love you and don't want your kids to live and that somehow or another they're a splitter and they're divisive and they're, they're beating someone down. But that's not true. If you see people doing the wrong thing, you see them making a mistake that is like right there, clear as day. No matter how politically expedient, just hand-waving and say, oh, my God, yes, go with God, do it, go, go, go. The foundation is the foundation is the foundation. And if you're building on a faulty foundation, everything crumbles. And it's not just you and your little corner of the world that pays for it. It's everyone that falls down with you. Now, this could be a gentleman's conversation, a gentle people's conversation, an actual, hey, let's go ahead and brainstorm and think through this problem here. How do we overcome this? How do we overcome that? How do we make the understanding of the race to the bottom that has nothing to do with any of the programs I've said? Forget the programs. 
Let's just talk about funding basic school services for children. Forget any of the other extras. Let's just stay with schools being underfunded. Let's start with the things we're already on the hook for, like pensions, already underfunded, and the race to the bottom depleting the resources that they have. And the bridges in this country, rated D, check it out sometime. Go look and see what our infrastructure is like. Every time you drive on many of these bridges, you are literally taking your life into your hands. Take a look at this sometime and ask them, well, shit, if all we had to do was just go ahead and do it, how come those bridges aren't fixed? How come they, they're, they're rated D? How come they're falling apart? If it's so easy, how come our kids don't have a great education? Every state has a great education. How come that is? How come that is? After a little while, you begin to realize the politics of state and local government are dependent on a steady stream of funds spent from the Fed, spent from the Congress, spent from our federal government. Now, guess what? We got a weird situation about to happen right here, right now. We've got inflation. We've got depressed wages that haven't gone up. And we have recessionary forces coming into play because the government has stopped spending again. That's right. Spigot's been cut off, except for the military. Now what? Now what? Now what? Can't answer that question. I don't have time for you. It's not because I don't want to talk to you about it. It's because I won't deal with the emotional abuse of people saying, because I'm making this comment that somehow or another I'm a splitter or divisive. I won't talk to people like that ever again. I have no use for anyone that would ever say such a thing. What I'm saying is a valid thing. If I was in a project team, by the way, I'm in a lot of project teams, but if I was in a project team and I came to the meeting and I said, I've done the risk assessment, look at this risk. Everybody on that team, especially the people at the top, would be like, thank you for bringing up this risk. What is our mitigation strategy, Steve? Well, here's what I've done. I figured it out. Or I don't know. What do we do here? But this is a real problem. It's begging a solution. Not, oh, my God, you just want our project to fail, Steve. You just want this new project to fail. No. See, nobody does that in the real world, only in the Twitterverse where people that don't really want, that are celebrating idols, that are freaking worshiping golden calves, that are building houses on sand. Only those folks would tell you that you're being divisive. Anybody else on a project would be thanking you to high heaven that you brought up this very key issue and didn't let it go because you didn't want blood on your hands for failing the mission. You wanted to make sure that you stood on principle and that you explained the cause and effect. That's what you would do. A good project manager is always going to be a canary in the coal mine. A good project manager is always going to be the one that says, hey, there's danger in there. There's fumes in that cave. If you send those miners into that cave, they're going to die. How do I know that? Well, the canary died. Canary died coming out of the coal mine. That's why I know. You wouldn't sit there and get mad at them for doing that. You'd have to be an asshole to get mad at the canary for letting you know, don't go into the mine, the miners will die. But that's not the way it is with people. My kids, when I say, Cammy, it's time for bed. No, no, I wanna, I wanna play my game, no. Cammy, listen, if you don't get a good night's sleep, you're gonna wake up tomorrow and you're gonna be a bear. I need to get you some sleep. Kimmy, I need you to pee before you go to bed so you don't pee the bed tonight, buddy. No! But if you don't do this, this is good. Uh, no! Okay, whatever. Evs, right? Evs. 
Evs. You know, it's like you go through history, you learn these things, you learn about the IMF, you learn about the, you understand the business model. You try and explain it. So no, not true, not possible. How did you know? How could you know? When did I become the enemy? I'm only the enemy because you're cackling like a harpy, yelling at me, screaming at me, chewing me out, tagging everybody under the sun to say, see, this person's a divisive motherfucker. But that's idolatry. And neoliberalism needs a villain to rally around, rally around the family with a pocket full of shells, right? And this is what they do. All of a sudden, people I have no idea who they are suddenly coming at me. Hey, hey, man, you're a clown. You're a clown. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? I mean, if you do that, you're missing the fucking point of what I'm saying. If you come up with a way and you were in the boardroom, we're sitting in the boardroom together and I say, Boss, I got a problem. I found a risk. There's a risk about the funding. And my boss comes back and says, no problem, Steve. We got that covered. We found this thing. Here's how we're going to do it. Yeah, but what if that thing breaks? It's okay. We're one step ahead. We already found the answer for that too. Okay. But when you tell me this cockamamie spaghetti logic, and I look at all 50 states, and I say that same spaghetti logic only works in three or four. It doesn't work in the other 45. 46, 47 states. So how does that become a national solution? If they have an answer for that, well, then so be it. But like, what if I come back and I say, well, you said that about marijuana, but there's still only 18 states out of 50 that have legal marijuana. So now what? If you don't have an answer for that, why are those other states that are busy getting stoned no longer fighting for all the other states? They're not fighting on all fronts, are they? No, they stopped. Just know that funding is something entirely different than social law. A social law is a behavior that doesn't require Article 1, Section 8 type funding. You understand what I mean? Article 1, Section 8 of your U.S. Constitution. If you don't understand that, it's not like you, you're beyond hope. We can teach you. Somebody can teach you. I don't need to teach you. Hell, if you don't want to hear my voice, I'm good with that, man. Go find somebody else. But damn it, stop idolatry. Stop the idolizing. Stop the expediency. Go through the process. Build things that last. Build foundational things. Understand the rudiments of the system so that you can design the proper solutions not putting band-aids on heart attacks. This is fundamental shit. But if you think that I'm the bad guy for breaking it down to you, I got another thing coming for you. I'm probably the most important ally you've got right now. Even though I don't agree with you. But because just freaking childlike responses hand-waving, hair on fire, shrieking. Eee! How do you work with that? I, again, before any of this stuff started, we at Real Progressives, and let me show you this. I'm going to show you so you understand what I'm talking about. I mean, it's one of those things where I think that you guys should already know this, but on the off chance that you don't on the off chance that you don't, okay? I want you to see this. And I'm gonna share my screen momentarily because I want to be as crystal clear as I possibly can be. And I'm hoping that this helps you out because it helped me out a lot once I realized it. You see this right here? This right here is 100% called the race to the bottom. And we have been working on this. It's not full fully complete. It's not completed at all. But we were trying desperately to come up with a way of looking at pensions funds, 79%, rainy day fund, 17.6 days. Come down here to North Carolina. Okay. 
go over here to say, uh, I don't know, Kansas, homeless population. Look at that. Pension funded only 68%. Rainy day fund, 4.0 days. Come over here to Mississippi. Do you see what I'm saying? You come across here. Rainy day fund in Utah, 35 days. Pension fund, 83%. Come over here to Ohio. You see what I'm saying? We've been working on this. Has nothing to do with anybody else. But if you didn't understand that, then you're screwed because you're attacking the wrong people. We're looking at this with unfunded mandates. We're looking at the concept of the race to the bottom. We've been looking at the rainy day fund. We've been talking about organized locally, but push for federal support. This is not just about Medicare for all. This is not about any of that stuff. Do you understand that we have worked our asses off trying to get through this? But what, what do we get? You're just being divisive. You're just being divisive. Now, would you respect someone that said that? Seriously, would you respect someone that said that? I wouldn't. I mean, I just showed you the work that we've been putting in for years trying to do this. Had nothing to do. But when we go out there and state our truth, and I'm, I'm telling you right now, I understand the, the concern. I am tired to death of our federal government not serving our needs. And I do think we should be organizing at the localist level, right in your backyard, up through your municipal, up through your state, and then going for national programs. But the fact of the matter is, is that Medicare for some or healthcare for some is not healthcare for all. And to take the union moniker of an injury to one is an injury to all should be a good guidepost for why it's not Medicare for some, it's Medicare for all. And why we live on one big giant planet with one ecosphere. And if we don't take care of the climate, it doesn't matter where on the planet we are, we're going to be screwed. Remember the layer cake, the Green New Deal. Because no matter how much you want to compartmentalize your mind and pretend there's not a climate crisis going on right now, because that's what people want to do. They want to ignore that. They don't want to realize how they interleave, how they work together. They don't want to understand the interplay. Because they're not conditioned to think that way. They're not conditioned to build systems. They're in the business of trolling people on Twitter. If you are interested in any way, shape, or form of a meaningful dialogue that doesn't have anything to do with that scanner's look, ah, splitter! If you're not going to be like scanners, if you're not going to be like that, let's talk. But if you're one of those kinds of people that say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, with smart mouth little comments on Twitter, if you're that person, please. We don't have anything to talk about. I'm sure there's somebody else you want to talk to. We don't have anything to say. I have nothing to say to you. Nothing. Zero. Hell, I wouldn't piss on your head to put out a fire if that's how you are. But as the project manager-minded person, I'm here to tell you the risk of trying to fund a program as volatile as healthcare, which has ebbs and flows, that needs a steady stream of freaking resource money, money, cash to grease the skids, not just tax money, but actual real money spent in from the government. If you don't understand that, then we're going to have some problems. And understanding the fact that Medicare for all is absolutely deflationary by itself, but then you add in the job guarantee and the Green New Deal, and you've got your offsets. Now you've got your offsets. But that must be done at the federal level. But if you're not building and looking at this systematically, and you're just shouting at the devil and shouting at you know shadows and getting angry at some guy on YouTube because he said something your precious ears can't handle, it's not me that's your enemy. You're your own worst enemy. When you just block out information because you can't handle the truth, when you can't handle that foundational knowledge. You want to act like you know it all. You want to just be 
snarky. Don't blame me when I fire back or I block you. That's the deal. I, I, I don't understand. I mean, you wouldn't let somebody treat you that way. I, just because I said I disagree or because the people that write for us said that they disagree or whatever doesn't mean that we're your enemy. But leave it to low-minded people who have an agenda to make enemies where there doesn't need to be enemies. There's an agenda there. I wonder if it's to build something at the expense of someone else, to create a rally cry to build from, to demonize somebody so that they can build something, even if it's wrong. Maybe it's about ego. Ooh, I guess that does bring us full circle to golden calf economics. Maybe it is about evil. Maybe it's about ego. What do you think? Do you think it's about ego? I kind of do. I really think it might be about ego. I don't know. I'll let you be the uh, deciderer of that. But as for me and my house, the Steve Grumbine and the Rogue Scholar, I will be doing my very first episode on Status Quo with Let's Get Ready to Grumble tomorrow night at 5 p.m. Check me out at Status Quo. In the meantime, have a good day, everybody. I'm out. The Rogue Scholar is a production of Real Progressives. If you would like to support our work, please visit patreon.com slash realprogressives.